This morning we share in two seemingly disconnected passages. Chip read from Deuteronomy 6, the Lord's commandments, and and how you keep those commandments. And the long and short of it is, the, the way that you keep the Lord in the forefront is to make it a way of life. To make talking about who God is and what God has done something you do all the time. Around the tables, when you get up, when you sit down, as you go in, as you come out. This second passage we'll read is, uh, again, not closely connected to Deuteronomy at all. It's from Acts chapter 4. Peter and John had been healing at the temple in the name of Jesus, and then they got themselves arrested for healing at the temple in the name of Jesus. The religious authorities decide we can't keep them. We have no grounds on which to allow them to stay arrested, so we're going to send them out and say, just don't talk about Jesus anymore. And you'll hear Peter and John's response. It's the response that one gives when, well, you can't help but talk about that which is in you. And so we'll turn to that as inspiration for that which is inside of all of us. But first we turn to Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 22. And we hear this reading from God's word. Now when the religious leaders saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were just uneducated, ordinary men, they were amazed. And they recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said, what are we going to do with them? It's obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We can't deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let's warn them. Speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called them. They ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, look, whether it is right In God's sight to listen to you rather than God, you judge that. But we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all of them praised God for what had happened, because the man on whom the sign of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We cannot help but talk about that which we have seen and heard. There's a good old Baptist word for that. Maybe a good old Christian word for that called testimony. Can you remember the last time you heard a testimony in this church? It's been a while. It's been a while, I'm not exactly sure why, Uh, maybe because that's not our style, Uh, maybe because testimonies used to be cool and they're not, maybe because I just never asked. So recently I I asked. I asked a few, I asked membership, it was on the newsletter, it was in the email newsletter, I said if you have a testimony about tithing, 
Would you share it with me? Would you tell me about what it is that, that was your testimony? And, and I had several folks respond. Now, I've talked a lot about giving recently, and, and actually this year. If you go all the way back to Easter, it's been like seven or eight sermons about giving. I guess in part because that's an important thing for our church to be thinking about right now. Also, because Jesus does talk a lot about how we handle our finances. But this morning, I'm not going to tell you any more about giving. I'm going to let church members tell you their experience of giving. And I hope that the stories that I share with you, stories they've written down for me, or told me directly... I hope they do one of two things. One, I hope you feel assured and comforted that the work of God through the church is happening. And if you feel like you are doing everything you can to do your part, there are other people that are doing the same thing. I hope you feel comforted. Or maybe you might feel convicted. If you are convicted because you know there's room to grow and you hear what people talk and hear what they say, maybe it will help you. And I hope it helps you to know that if there's room for you to grow and you step forward in some way, someone else is there too. You're not alone. Oh, everything that's given in this church for the most part is anonymous. I don't know who gives what unless you tell me what you give. But I hope there's some solidarity in knowing that there's people in this church and there are people in churches all over the place who, through their giving, have experienced the power of God in amazing ways. Let me share some of these testimonies with you. My spouse didn't grow up in church. It wasn't their thing. While we dated and early in our marriage, I just went alone. I wasn't angry about it. I prayed for my spouse. I trusted God. I tried to be casual about inviting him to come. Every time we moved, we started a new church. And when I could, I would say, hey, you want to go with me in the morning? And usually, he passed. Eventually, though, he saw something. Something about my relationship with God. And he decided to join me occasionally. Then he got to know the minister. He asked his questions. He worked through his faith intellectually, which is no surprise. And on his own, at some point, surprised me, but he decided to get baptized. I had dreamed about it. I had prayed about it. And on that day, we all rejoiced together. It's probably more of a coincidence, but it wasn't long thereafter that that the subject of offering and giving and tithing came up. I had always just given a little something here and there when I thought I could. But he started asking me questions, and before long, his questions exceeded my knowledge. So again, the intellectual that he is, he searched, he studied, he asked questions of our minister. The typical ones came up. 10% of net, 10% of gross. Before retirement or after retirement giving. Does giving to schools and nonprofits and charities count? 
He searched the scriptures and he prayed. Eventually, God called him to give 10% before anything else comes out to God's work through the church. He shared with me that it's not ours to begin with, and God only needs a little bit to make a tremendous difference in the world, in the church, and in our lives. My husband's decision has made an immeasurable difference, far beyond what we could have imagined. For almost 20 years, we have, well, he has, he's the one who does the bills, written the first check of the month of the church. And let me assure you, there have been times when that check was hard to write. There's been more than one instance when we could have used the money in good places somewhere else. There's been times when we had one income but multiple kids. Times when it was tempting to slack up, to promise to catch up, but we didn't. And God's been faithful to us. Our children love Jesus and they love this church. We've made it financially through job changes and schools. We trust we'll make it through the next trial. College is around the corner. And maybe more than the money, our faith has felt real in difficult times. Our faith has felt real in, felt real in times when we couldn't fix the problems with a checkbook. But every step of the way, tithing has been a tangible act of faithfulness on our part that has allowed us to see better God's faithfulness. And I can't imagine having it any other way. I wrote this testimony from what the members shared with me. And when someone tells you that story, I was speechless. I said, wow. I said, thank you. We gave each other a hug and sort of went on. But it's humbling to, to re- even just read that. Because it reflects how being faithful shaped a family way beyond what they ever imagined when they started giving to the church. I hope you felt that. Maybe if you don't feel that one, you'll feel this one. It's a little shorter. It's pretty familiar. My mom didn't work until 1955. My dad was a commercial painter, and in 55, he had an accident. He was unemployed for over a year. I was 15. My brother was 13. Shortly after the accident, mom took me to the bank with her to talk about the mortgage She was worried they might lose the house because no money was coming in and the house payment was $22 a month. The loan officer asked about her bills and she told him. She told him how much she gave to the church. Immediately, the loan officer declared that he'd have to stop, she'd have to stop tithing and cut everything but groceries, which also would have to be scaled back. Otherwise, he couldn't help. My mom dignified, promptly got up. She took my hand. She told the loan officer that tithing was the Lord's. And the banker told her there was nothing he could do to help. So she thanked him as she left. I was worried as a teenager that we might have a place to live. My mother reassured me that the Lord would provide if we trusted him. And I never forgot that lesson. The Lord has provided for us.
My mom didn't even have a high school education, but a local industry hired her. She worked there for more more than 30 years. She always tithed and instilled that into her children, and it's a lesson my brother and I have never forgotten. I know that if I were to have asked the older members of my family, they probably would have told a story just like that. We can remember times, we can think of times and imagine times when it wasn't as easy as it is now. Yet during those times, our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, they found a way to be faithful. It's easy, it's quaint for us to think that times were simpler when Andy was the sheriff and Barney was the deputy. But life was hard. They had to make choices just like we do. They show us what choices they made by what they built. The third testimony is a little bit longer. It comes from a member that has helped me a lot in thinking about giving and talking about tithing. We've talked about it many times. He's never been afraid to tell me his story. So I knew when I asked him he would put something together for me. Um, What he did was he put together a four and a half page story, single space which is longer than my sermon normally is, so I had to shorten it. But it's anonymous, and it's worth reading. If you'd like to read it, I can share it with you. I took the highlights. I'm going to share those with you today. As he writes, I share this testimony because of the improved relationships and the blessings I have experienced when I was willing to step out in faith and give to the Lord his full time. After growing up in church, then leaving on my own, I found the church and a meaningful relationship with God after our first child was born. I rededicated myself to Christ when I was in my mid-thirties with a young family. Shortly thereafter, I received a pledge card. The church wanted to know, wanted me to acknowledge a regular tithe, and, and, and so they could know how to plan their budget for the year ahead. I had seriously considered tithing until that day. I had a wife and children. Jobs were in flux. Regular income was uncertain, so I offered $100 a month. I dropped a check in the offering plate when I felt we could afford it. And as our income grew, I increased it gradually, but fell way short of 10%. Eventually, through a series of relationships and circumstances, I found myself pulled to the subject of tithing. I felt convicted. I prayed for insight. I searched for explanations. I wanted to define a tithe on my own terms, but ultimately I I couldn't. I found in Scripture, in Genesis 14 and, and 28, in Leviticus, in Numbers, in Deuteronomy, in Malachi, in Matthew 6, in Luke 21, in 2 Corinthians 9, that the Bible makes it clear that the first fruits, the first 10%, the 10% is monetary. That's what we give. And over time, I began to understand the implications of the tithe, that it's actually an act of faith. My salvation does not depend on if I choose to tithe or not. 
Instead, tithing is an opportunity for me to step out in faith and enjoy a deeper relationship with God by demonstrating trust. Furthermore, in all of Scripture, I couldn't find a single instance where God directly challenges us to test Him on this, except for here. Test me on this. How can it be any clearer? How could I escape this challenge? It was then that I realized God had placed a pass-fail challenge directly in my path. And on that day, our family began to give 10% of our gross income to God. We committed ourselves and made provision for a regular monthly gift to the church and immediately upon developing, immediately we developed a committed plan to tithe. And upon doing so, I felt a peace with God I had not known before. Many years have passed since we stepped up in faith. Our life has been enriched by that choice, and our blessings have overflowed. Life has not been easy. We've experienced troubles. We've had major health scares in our family. We've had difficulties in faith. We've had times when our path was very unclear. And we've made mistakes. But God has been faithful. Therefore, I remain absolutely convinced that our commitment to tithing allowed God to open our eyes to see His blessings and protection. There's no doubt that our family has received blessings from heaven, poured out and overflowing. These days, I'm thankful God has led me to step up and step out in faith and tithe so many years ago. It allowed my faith to move from academic to experiential. And that's why I say to you today, if you want to grow in your relationship to God, start tithing. If you're not currently giving the Lord His full tithe, reach out in Christ in prayer and study. If you feel you're not in the financial position to give a full 10%, I can't suggest that, that you, your finances are that way. Step out in faith. Begin with what you can. Wrestle with spending and income. Grow it to a full tithe. I believe it will change your faith in amazing ways. My testimony is, is one I give because of the improved relationships and blessings that came and that I saw after I was willing to step out in faith and give the Lord His full tithe. So please, I have no interest in guilting you, he says. I just encourage you to examine your relationship with Jesus and see if He's calling you to step up in faith. Maybe the mere fact that you're hearing this testimony suggests God is calling you. If He is, take Him at His word. Put your trust in Him and grab the opportunity that He is offering. Friends, I, I share these stories hopefully to help you. It's helped me to hear them and to, to read them. It's helped me to hear what someone has been called to. It's helped me to know that we're not alone in being called. We're not alone in being challenged. And we're not alone when we step out in faith. Others have done the same thing. What I am is humbled and amazed and deeply thankful for those who shared. It's people like this who allow the church to be the church every day. And there's more people like this 
than I even know. But I do believe they're out there. It's people like this in every church in Oxford and North Carolina and the United States and in the world who allow the church to be God's incarnation of love in the world today. And yes, things are hard these days. Yes, things can be difficult. Sometimes we just want to give up and step back and and, and just forget it. Do our own thing. But the testimony here reminds us that the people who sit in the pews alongside us each day, each week, are Christian people who love the Lord, who are loved by the Lord, and who want to help each of us love the Lord more, more fully, and more deeply. They have sensed an openness to their faith. They have seen God work because of the faith they were willing to step out in. And they've written these stories because they believe the same is true for you. And I've told these stories because I think the same is true for all of us. We need the Lord. We need the Lord's strength and provision. And I hope that we can see that experiencing God's strength and provision and power is an act of stepping out in faith. Yes, in giving, yes. But, but it's, it's stepping out in faith in lots of ways. And so I pray today, I hope today, that by taking steps out in faithfulness, we will know better in our hearts all the things God has done for us and all the ways that God wants to speak to us, fill us with blessings, Fill us in ways so that we respond no matter what comes. We cannot help but speaking about that which we have seen and heard. That's my prayer for us today. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. We're humbled by the talents of our youth who lead us beautifully in song. And so many other ways. We're in awe of the gifts that one another gives each other these days and every day. Lord, we're in awe for a church that some 90 years ago, in the middle of the Depression, put up a building on this corner and left it for us so that we can worship even still today here. And Lord, we are in awe of the stories of our brothers and sisters in Christ who have stepped up in faith and who who don't just live to tell about it, but who tell about it because of the life they've been able to experience for having done so. Oh Lord, one of your disciples prayed, Lord, I want to believe. Help me in my unbelief. And Lord, today our prayer is that as well. Help us to believe so that our story can be your story, so that our story can be one of faith and love, and so that our stories can be stories of how much you've done for us now, today, and forevermore. This, O Lord, is our story, and it's a story we want to write. Help us to write it starting now, today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.